You want to hold the pillar? We always like to hold the pillar. Hold the pillar? Yeah, look at us how. We always have a pillar next to us. Aura, did you get your teeth done? Mashallah, look yeah, mad, yeah. man. <laughs> Mashallah. I'm wearing the Invisalign's now. Is it? Yeah, you guys want to... You can ask me about yeah, that. No That's no good. You, you can't hear a lisp or anything. Some people have a... No, I, I had a lisp, but now it's getting better. Okay. I thought I was done when I realised it. Alright, beautiful. I'm getting a bit of a lisp. <laughs> oh, no, not the lisp. <laughs> <laughs> the Invisalign, Invisalign. Yeah, yeah. Invisalign's, yeah. Alright, let's go hot minute, yeah? Alright, beautiful. Yeah, hot minute. <laughs> <laughs> You have to introduce. I reckon we get Sheikh Bilal to introduce it. I got a cramp. <laughs> With the hot minute? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, let's do it. What? You're on the hot minute. Let's go. You're, you're going to introduce it. Look into that what camera do I do? there. Look into that camera there. Yeah. And say, this is the hot minute. Give us one of those. Like ones. that? Yeah, like that. Into this that is, camera this there. This is the hot minute. This is the hot minute. <laughs> Beautiful, guys. Welcome Ooh. to our newest segment called the hot minute where we ask some quick one minute hot questions. All right, first question. Ready? Don't let the time start now. Let us start after this, yeah? Okay. Why are babies in the womb for nine months but aren't nine months old when they come out? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it is. It is what it is. Doesn't date of birth. Yeah. That's why. Date of birth. That was a terrible You're one. not born yet, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a terrible one. Let me get another one. Do you want to do another one, bro? That's a hot two minutes now. <laughs> that's a hot ten Let's seconds. Do Let's do another one. <laughs> All right. Here we go. He's Googled them, yeah? He's not even prepared, man. Yeah. Should have a list. I should have had it for this episode. <laughs> one hour later. Nah, I'll get another one. Oh, oh, no, right, no, right, no. Right, yeah, I'm going to you off because I said that. Nah, because they're all good ones, but they'll end up like being like a 10 second thing. I got another one. All right, ready? Five. What came first, the plant or the seed? The seed. Limada. La Adri. We're keeping that. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to the Fading Podcast. Very, very, very high in demand, man. I'll be honest with you, Sheikh. We've got a lot of uh, DMs, we've got a lot of YouTube comments saying, get us Sheikh Bilal on again. Don't want to inflate your ego, but it is what it is, Sheikh. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Amin, Ya Rab. Allah barik fikun. Pleasure to be here. Assalamu alaikum. Pleasure wa alaikum. What's DM? Is it direct, direct message? Direct message. Yeah. Adam, Allah, you got to forgive me. It's <laughs> 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 so good. We'll get there, inshallah. All right, I want to start you off with uh, a very light question. Yeah. Are we in the end of times? <laughs> I'm being serious. It's like the end of times when people laugh at a question like that. Come on, yeah, yeah. Like, let's go. Let's go, inshallah. Let's go, inshallah. Are we at the end of times? I think we are. Most scholars say we are. Mm-hmm. All the signs lead to that, don't they? Yeah. I mean, when you look at the ayat in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us there are ashrat, there are signs coming up. Uh, Many hadiths of the Prophet ﷺ, many, 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 to talk about different signs of the last hour. There are too many to enumerate. Uh, and it looks like we are nearing to the towards the end of time. I mean, just check this out, for example. Rasul ﷺ said this hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim. So he said, the first sign of the last hour is mauti, my death. Mm-hmm. How long has that been now? In a minute, uh, 1,400 years. years. Yeah. Long minute. <laughs> and one day he, he woke up and he said to his people, to everyone, he says, between 
my death and the last hour is like the difference between these two fingers. Mm. See the index finger? Yeah. And the middle finger? The root finger, <laughs> this one? <laughs> yeah. So the difference between this one and that one, can you imagine that this is the whole world mm -hmm. and this much is left? Right? That's nothing. It's nothing. Mm. Allah says in the Quran, The hour has come near and the moon has split. I don't know what that means, Allahu A'lam, but the point is there are signs that haven't happened before and yeah. now they're happening. They're happening now. In the Quran, اقتربت الساعة وانشق القمر. Yeah. When they see it come, it's as if they haven't uh, been in this earth or in the ground uh, a night or a day. And in a nutshell, I think, yes, we are definitely nearing towards the end of time. And uh, that's crazy. The only thing left, the scholars, some, some swear by Allah that all the minor signs have already gone. They haven't yet. Yeah. Still a few of them left. Do you know what can, those, can you tell us what they are? Well, I can tell you. I can tell you. Go to my uh, series called The End Series. It's just quicker. Cheeky <laughs> plug. Yeah, well, cheeky plug. There are many hours there. <laughs> Among the minor signs, Wallahu alam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. And yeah. by the way, we don't know their interpretation very well. I want to say this, that when we read about the minor signs or the hadith, don't take them too literally. We don't know exactly what they mean. And when they come, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us them. So among the things I remember is the one about the Euphrates River uncovering a mountain of gold. What yeah. does the mountain of gold mean? How will it uncover? And the Allah knows. But so far we haven't heard of anything like that. Yeah, about yeah. Euphrates or mountain of gold or some people say oil and I don't know. These are all opinions. Yeah, yeah. I don't like to just base it on opinions. There's a lot of conspiracies too. Conspiracies I don't like to go there as well because I, like, I really like to base things on facts. Yeah. If there are no facts, it can be anything. True. Isn't that That's right? True. It can be anything. Yeah, true. It's too stressful to sit there and make up stuff. You start going berserk. So like that's one thing, for example. Yeah. Like the gel is the television. I heard that one from my The gel is the television. <laughs> the gel is the television. One eye. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> We're something. putting that on TikTok. <laughs> Let me tell you something. This is a good time for me to talk about this because <laughs> it's frustrated me a little bit. In the end series that I did, that was about eight years ago. I used to Maybe listen to it as a child. More than a child. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't say it on camera. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Eight years ago. Oh, I feel older, man. I feel older. That's all right. That's okay. Uh, I was talking about the Dajjal in the, in the end series. Yeah. The coronavirus hits. Suddenly, everybody started to uh, flood <laughs> my talk about the Dajjal on the internet, trying to make the connection that I, I'm making the connection oh. the coronavirus is the Dajjal or something oh. like that. It's not. It's got nothing to do with that. I gave this like eight, nine years ago. The jet has nothing to do with a disease or a virus or anything like that. And I like to work with facts. I don't think that's the case. The, the, that's one of the, the minor signs. Some scholars say the Mahdi, Imam al-Mahdi, is one of the minor signs. Some say he's one of the major signs. The point of that is hasn't come up yet. Some people don't even believe in the Mahdi. Yani. <laughs> that's yeah. a minority. Allah subhanahu wa knows best. Uh... Um, as far as I can remember, um, really, it's very hard to think about any more minor signs left when you think about all the how hadiths. About, and how about Sheikh, the situation that's been happening in Palestine? Because mm. a lot of times people are now are giving ayahs and hadith and saying this is a sign that it's the end of times. Is there any? No, 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 no. We can't say that. Yani, even the, the, first of all, uh, that's been an ongoing issue mm. in Palestine. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. 
liberate our brothers and sisters mm. there in the Middle East and everywhere around the world, not just mm. the Middle East, wherever they are oppressed. This is an ongoing issue that's been going on, and the issue of Palestine has been going on and off yeah. for centuries. Ages, yeah. Thousands of years, hasn't it? A long time, yeah. Yeah. What I, what I advise my brothers and sisters to do is try your best before you say something, not you, yeah. in general, and post out something or make a verdict, you know, Look at it factually. Look at it. Have you really researched it properly? Have you looked at what the scholars have said about this? Don't just throw things around. Yeah. Right? It's not you can't you can't just base it on evidence. Always base it on something that is solid. Don't just throw things around. This yeah. DN is very important for us. We can't just play around with it yeah. and just give our opinions. Sometimes I have a we call this a preconceived notion about something. I've already all my life I've learned certain things. Let's say I'm a cons I'm into the conspiracies and then something happens and I want to fit my preconceived notion uh, into that. Say, so there you go. But anybody can do that with anything. Anybody can do that with anything. Yeah. You need facts. And Allah tells us in the Quran, what kind of a nation are we? Yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, anybody who opposes you, he's saying to the Prophet, anyone who opposes what you're saying, Allah tells us to tell them, say, give us your factual evidence. Give us your evidence. If you're truthful. If you are truthful. <laughs> we we don't want to do th we don't want to fall into the same trap, yani. Mm. So we have to base it on evidence. Mm. I don't know anything in the ayat or hadith which establishes for a fact that what's happening now in Palestine, in 2021, has anything to do directly with the last hour. This has been happening on for forever, and you know, World War One, World War Two. I can tell you what does have something to do with the last hour, and this is an established hadith in Bukhari, and that is oppression. Mm -hmm. Rasulullah said that. Uh, first there will be uh, this hadith is also authentic in Bukhari that uh, it will start off with Khilaf al-Rashida you know, Khilaf al-Rashida yeah. the, mm -hmm. the, the right first uh, some say four some say five some say six but the point is the first leaders of Islam who took over the, the caliphate mm -hmm. and then it turns into uh, something that is uh, mixed between uh, it becomes an anarchy so family uh, in um Khilafah is inherited, yeah. and uh, there's a mix between religion and, and, and other personal... Like monarchies. Like a monarchy, sorry, I yeah. said anarchy. A monarchy. And then it turns into Mulkan Jabriyan, and turns into a, a, for, a forced uh, dictatorship type of rule. Some scholars said we're living that now, because we don't have a Khilafah system. Mm -hmm. And then he says, then it will return back to the Khilafah Rashida, the rightly guided caliphs that, that used to exist before, who inherited from the Prophet ﷺ the knowledge and, and the leadership. So we are now in an oppression, time of oppression everywhere, and this is a sign. Uh, uh, increase, of increase of knowledge, but increase of ignorance. So there's lots of information. You can just go on Google mm. right now, get all the information, but understanding and wisdom and how to apply it and how to use it is ignorance. We throw it around everywhere, apply it where it doesn't belong. It's like giving a child a, a machine gun and says, go ahead, go have fun. Do whatever you want. Shoot yeah, everybody. Exactly. You, you, know, you know what starts all of that? There are WhatsApp groups that aunties are all involved in. Aunties? He, yeah, 100%. What do you mean aunties? <laughs> Haram, I like it. No, 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 no. Aunties, what do they talk I, I, about? They're harmless, man. I, 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 I mean I the got, uncles. i got to bring it in. Think <laughs> about I this, I love yeah? The aunties, man. The you know what they do? They get the one thing. <laughs> chuck a little talk. <laughs> <Yes>. Entertaining. <laughs> yeah, they get one thing. They chuck <laughs> it on <laughs> WhatsApp. Oh, have you seen like the clouds? Like they take a photo of the cloud, then they'll draw like Allah on it. Like today is my day, yeah, and they'll yeah. send it off. All the yeah. thing with like the Euphrates. Like last year, there was something about like the Russians and the Turkeys were Turks were going at it. These are some creative aunties, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they use Photoshop essays. and create Allah. Essays, man. Essays. What's an essay? 
like a thousand words. <laughs> oh, an essay. Yeah, like, yeah. An actual I essay. thought you were talking about this this new word. Uh, essay. <laughs> what is no. it? Say it again. Essay. Essay. What's an essay? Huh? TN, they're like little year sevens that act hard. Yeah. <laughs> They're from uh, this guy's area. Yeah, they act gangster pretty much. They're dangerous. Yeah. What do they? They they're, they're like junkies. They're Australian junkies essentially. But they're like Australian junkie gangsters essentially. Yeah, no, we respect, kids. We respect all the, the race. But <laughs> so what? That they look like uh, what junkies? They just try to act cool and they wear they wear like tens. They wear yeah. So for okay. year sevens when they're twelve, why you only year sevens? <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, like that, that age group. They're the so younger like under kids. Under 15, like you're young kids, but they're just trying to act older. And where are they getting strong. this from? Like, what are they trying to imitate? Pop culture. TikTok is it from the pop culture. Yeah, yeah 100%. 100%. On social media. They see people acting in a certain way. And they want to act that certain way. And all, all of them are Habibi. literally innocent. <laughs> to be they are innocent. Look, kids, kids, uh, that's what they do. They're, as we were talking about before, that the prefrontal cortex of the brain starts to develop soon as you hit puberty until you're 25 mm -hmm. so what's mostly developing that's developing while this is developing the brain the back parts of their brain is developing that's emotions feelings and what they do is they imitate they copy mm. without thinking being able mm. to think too much and analyze right and wrong so wallahi social media influences have a lot to answer for those who don't believe in allah subhanahu wa at all they just don't care even if it's negative comments i remember there's this guy on i don't want to say his name on instagram or tiktok or whatever he gets so much so many attacks on him. People promise that they want them, um, we're going to kill you even, right? Mm. Because of the stuff he does. He teaches kids how to make drugs at home and things like that. Does not care. What and you know what? He loves it. Because negative, negative remarks, negative comments, negative likes on social media gets you more money. Mm -hmm. That's true. Mm. Amazing. It's that, what drives know, the internet. Yeah. Oh, more comments, man. more engagement. No. Yeah. But positive is just is a like. Yeah. Oh. Goes to show for my young brothers and sisters, please be careful. This is so dangerous that there are so many influencers out there who do not care about you one bit, which way you go, what you do with yourself, because they're after using you to make their to make money off you. It doesn't really matter. And alhamdulillah for Islam, which gives us boundaries and wisdom about morals and, and, and which way to go and where to stop, mm. safeguards you. I was going to ask you something about... Uh, what were you saying, Akhi, before? Just the aunties and then after the... Oh, yeah, you mentioned something about the cloud saying Allah's name in it and <laughs> stuff like that. That's actually an important point, you know. That's an important point. So? We do not need, you know, stuff like that to prove our deen. Mm. Signs. Mm. These signs, mm. right? Because anybody can say anything. That person who saw the cloud with the name Allah in it, another person who follows Christianity can say, I saw a cross in it. A Jew can come along and say, I saw the Star of David in there. Mm. You know, uh, Any other religion, any Hindu can come and say, I saw my God so-and-so. Who's there to stop him? Mm -hmm. Or a fish that has some... I mean, Arabic Arabic is all squiggly lines. <laughs> that's yeah. looking, Look at anything and you yeah. can so, come say, so there's an mm -hmm. ayah over there. And there's yeah. a, that's not how Allah shows us. <laughs> no, no, that's not what our evidence is. Yeah. We already have the Qur'an, alhamdulillah, in itself. And I advise that we should study the Qur'an and learn it even if you don't know the Arabic language. Try and learn what you're reading. Ask, investigate, work with facts. You don't need all this stuff. I felt. We're coming back, this, this uh, concept of I feel, I feel in a certain way. Anybody can feel anything they want, mm. and they can make up any religion they want. Mm. I remember here in Australia, there was a lady who came and visited. She made headlines. She made up a religion. Everybody loved it. Why? Because it's, it's, it's just... Feelings. It, it's airy-fairy stuff. So anybody can deal with airy-fairy stuff. That's yeah. fine. And what was it? Her religion is hugging. Oh. Hug each other and bring the love. Yeah, hug and bring the love. I mean, 
Is that a religion from Allah? <laughs> Minimalism. <laughs> We're huggers. <laughs> We're huggers. We're huggers. I can make up any religion and people will go with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I wanted to touch on, like, <laughs> I want to go back to, because we went far off course. But <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> but no, no, no. I wanted to come back just to the end of times. Like, um, there's obviously the hadith where the Rasul um went back and forth with uh, another man. A man goes, when's the end of time? And the Rasul responded, um, what Allah have you prepared for it? Allah barik fiqh ya suhaib. Jazakallah khair for bringing us back to wisdom. Try my best, man. This sahabi did say, Ya Rasulullah, mata sa'a. This is what young people do today and Muslims. When is it? Ah, I know when it is. But Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa replied saying, Mada a'adatta laha? What have you prepared for it? He didn't even answer the question. He said, what have you prepared for it? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter when it is. That's not your concern. That's up to Allah. Had he, had Allah wanted us to know, he would tell us. That's not important. The point, the important thing for you to focus on is the now. Right now, what are you doing now? How are you preparing yourself? Because Rasulullah said, Man Whoever dies, his last hour has come. Or her last hour. That's the last hour of the person. Isn't that correct? 100%. Don't wish to, to meet the last hour. You might not be able to survive it. Whatever's going to happen. So think about, you know, be the son and daughter of the moment. And think about what have you prepared for it. And one amazing, beautiful statement from Prophet he said, if the hour is coming and the only thing you can do is plant a short branch or a tree, then plant it. Yeah. Why? Don't ask what's tomorrow. You can do that good act to it. Keep going with it. You can uh, give a charity, still give it. You can help a person, help a person. Don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm. You continue because Allah says, I will look at your deeds. That's all that will count for you. Mm. The rest, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you've got nothing to do. Allah says if he wants to, he would have done all that stuff and made this world you know, the way you wanted and whatever. This world has been set up for you as a test, as a trial to, to develop yourself in there. So you do you do good and avoid the bad and you develop yourself and become that person. So you can plant a tree, plant it. Even if you know they say to you after a week the world's going to end, plant it. You never know what, what what benefit it is for you and others in that time. Yeah, mm. Sheikh. Um, I was listening to um this this other I'll say public speaker. His name is shall I name his name Hamza Zortas. He's mashallah. He does very well. Um, and in after Allah one of his, uh, Allah him, but after one of his lectures, he basically said, "This isn't, this isn't where ibadah stops. This is the motivation for ibadah. So when people watch your lectures or when they see, you know, final signs of the last day and all that sort of stuff, and they think, you know, like I stayed up all night, I missed fajr, but I was watching this. You know, Very a lot of point. people, yeah. yeah like um, I wanted you to touch on, for example, um, just." Like uh, differentiating ibadah itself and seeking knowledge and using lectures as a motivation rather than a um, a, a form of worship. Basically. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. We come back to this. Okay, I've got a question myself. Ask, why am I listening to this? And what is the purpose of it? Am I listening because it makes me feel good? So it's like listening to music or some kind of tune that makes me feel good about myself and that's it. The whole idea, Allah says in the Quran, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ Those who believe and then start doing actions of righteousness. Imagine this, if I'm always going to be sitting on lectures and that's it, and there's no action coming out from me, I'll be doing that until I die. 
What's the point of that? Then this is where the celebrity shark comes out. This is where talks become an entertainment. There's no difference between that and listening to some tune that makes you feel good or a massage or anything like that. The point is to convey so that we can change, change ourselves. That's what Allah is looking at. And you know what? This is very interesting what you're saying. This is one of the oldest tricks of the shaitan, mm -hmm. Satan, right? and our desires. Shaitan says, you know what? I can't stop them from being believers. I'm giving up on that. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to use their religion okay, to make them at least uh, stuff up their priorities. Yeah. For example, classic one the scholars talked about. Fajr is coming. Yeah. Fajr is a fard. And that's what you should be working towards. Instead, he says to him, read the Quran all night and pray all night, which is, you know, it's okay, but this is what he does. Listen to lectures all night. And when close to Fajr, tells him, go to sleep and have your rest. Then he's too tired to wake up for Fajr. But then the shaitan says, at least you stayed up the night, listen to a lecture. But the whole idea of that is to make a change so that you can focus on your priorities. Mm. The salat of the Fajr comes first. Some people turn that good deed into a sin. Mm. The Quran is not there just to entertain our ears. The Quran is there to guide us mm -hmm. and to help us heal and to develop and to become better people, inshallah, to get closer to Allah, to look after our family, our, our self-development, our community, the people around us. That's what the whole idea, until we meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I remember one uh, person, he uh, went and memorized the whole Quran. After memorizing the whole Quran, all he did was never really try to understand. Nobody ever tried to teach this, this kid you know, about what the Quran is in their life. Next minute I see that he's got, a, he's got a girlfriend. And I asked him, what's up with that? He says, oh, she's my girlfriend. It's normal. Normal. It doesn't really matter. And I thought, but the Quran, you know, you've memorized the Quran. You should have seen somewhere there where it says, You should not have a companion that is like a girlfriend or boyfriend. In Islam, you've got to marry them. That's how you value a person. Mm. You can't just keep yourself there with no strings attached and you can run away when it, the, the going gets tough. Mm. With marriage... There's commitment. There's value. You're valuing that person. Mm -hmm. That person's self-esteem rises. Mm -hmm. You can't just walk away without the rights being met. It's not that easy, right? That's, That's how you value the human being. This brother actually had no clue. He was genuinely thought he was okay. Mm -hmm. Memorized the whole Quran. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is the point. Allah, yeah, the Sahabas, they used to memorize a little bit of the Quran, a little bit of the Quran, and apply it. And some ulama said it's better, well, the ulama say that it's better to memorize part of the Qur'an and apply it well and make a change in your life than the entire Qur'an. Mm. Right? That's that's the point. And yeah. nowadays we've memorized a lot but applied very little. Tape recorders. Oh, that's, that's Tape recorders. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, on that, Sheikh, even another thing is if you're l listening to a lot of lectures and you're neglecting the fard and stuff, isn't it sometimes like because you learn the knowledge, you're also accountable? Like whatever knowledge you learn and you gain and it's like you don't act upon, isn't it like not because you're not acting on it, isn't that a bad thing as well? Or how does that work? Not, not, not as black and white as that. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more merciful than that. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy is boundless. But yes, uh, first of all, Allah says, Ya amanu lima ma la O you who believe, why do you say that which you do not do? It is a big deal to Allah, a sin that you say that which you do not do. Many people misunderstand that verse. Mm -hmm. They think that uh, once you've known something, you can't make mistakes anymore. If you mm -hmm. do sin, you're not allowed to talk about it anymore. It's hypocritical. That's not what a hypocrite is. This is a weakness. Everybody has weaknesses. Everybody has sins. The verse of the Quran is not talking about. It's talking about people who are after the uh, who who think that because they've believed, 
they can now neglect themselves of their duties because of the false idea that I've got the foundation, I've got the iman, alhamdulillah, I've got the belief in Allah and his messengers and everything, and I don't make shirk. And then I start to push other people and, and, and make da'wah to other people while neglecting myself. It's talking about a habit of neglect. Not talk about people who make sins. Mm-hmm. I might have, for example, an anger problem. But it doesn't stop me from teaching you about anger. That's still good. But I, still, but I can't neglect myself. I also have to. Both, hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And it's not hypocritical if you speak about something that you, are not, you haven't developed yourself very well in. If you have experience in it and you have knowledge in it and you're well versed in it, Sometimes talking about it can help you even realize things about yourself. And break it down. So don't misunderstand that, inshallah. So when you learn something, of course, you are more accountable. And it's haram to stay ignorant. You still got to keep learning. Otherwise, can you imagine everybody just stays ignorant because they don't want to be accountable? Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. The fact that you chose to be ignorant is accountability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's accountability, right? Mm-hmm. No one's going to go for a job or go into a business deal and just jump into it not without researching because they know the consequences. Ignorance is our biggest enemy. Isn't that correct? That's true. That's very, very, very true. But if we're sinful and we have shortcomings, my advice is keep it between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and work on yourself. Don't neglect yourself when you know something. And obviously knowing is much higher than the ignorant. Mm -hmm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises the people of knowledge all the time. In fact, the angels surround you when you seek knowledge and they reach the sky. Each one wants to look at you because of their love for what you are seeking. You're famous among the angels. Like the soccer player who kicks a... Soccer and <laughs> kicks a goal and everybody, ah, yeah, you yeah. want to jump on him? Can you imagine the angels doing that for you? That's crazy. Um, yeah. That's crazy. On, I wanted to touch back on the um, the the thing with the, the kid that you were talking about. Basically, I wanted to delve into haram relationships a little bit. Yes. Just just very lightly, um, we had a question from a viewer and she asked, if a person is going through a haram relationship at the moment, is it possible to make halal and what would be your advice in that scenario? Definitely. Uh, you can always change any haram into halal. And I advise all my brothers and sisters to do that very quickly before we meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is the only one who truly and honestly only judges a person based on their repentance and returning, not based on their sin and their past. Mm-hmm. Allah gives you time. And he loves those who repent. The young person who repents to Allah is Allah's beloved. Rasulullah said, Habibullah. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Shabun ibadatillah. Those who will be under the shade of Allah and their judgment, a young person who is raised in the worship of Allah. Allah doesn't expect perfection from anybody. And He knows that you're going to sin and fall. In fact, it gets to the point just before, a very important point I want everybody to know that the Quran, when it talks about. Uh, you know, exposing or snitching, if you like, about somebody who's committed, God forbid, uh, adultery or fornication to hide their sin and to advise that person. So much so that if somebody's got it in for them and they've seen them in doing the act of fornication with their eyes, they need four witnesses who saw the exact, the actual wow. detailed yeah. act happening. Yeah. And these four people have to be known for their honesty and righteousness in the community. They can't be strangers. Can't be What's the possibility of that happening? And it's very, it's very unlikely for people to have seen all of that, right? It's weird too, but <laughs> carry on. <laughs> it's very weird, I know. You might say, but they might say camera and, and all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Allahu A'lam, uh, some scholars accept it, but uh, I, I don't think many scholars have accepted the cameras. You can manipulate it these days because there's doubt. Yeah. The point of that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to deter people from exposing other people's sins. 
and wants them to always return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because mm. that's where you're judged. That's and true. possibly your past can benefit you now. The idea is return, don't delay. Return, mm. don't. So haram relationships can always be turned into halal relationships. It's a very good topic. I'll start from here. Person has a girlfriend or boyfriend all their life. Number one, did they know that it was haram? This is the first thing. If they didn't know, now you know. Fix it, inshallah, as soon as you know. And repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That will be the perfect sign of your true belief and love and sincerity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly, if you did know, even then, it's time to repent and stop that act. Here's what, here's what will happen. Not only will you earn sins from Allah and Allah will be displeased from that act from you, Number two, you are now sending out vibes to your family, to your friends. You might have sisters or brothers, whoever you are, and uh, opening a door for them to also copy you and do the same thing as you. Uh, another thing that can happen from that is, uh, let's say you know, you ended up getting married in the halal way. This is what sometimes can happen. Look, let me. there is no sin without consequence. That's true. And when I say sin, okay, let's change the word from sin. Some people don't like that word sin. Let's say doing the wrong thing has consequences always. Why? Because the nature of this universe is like that. Mm -hmm. Things are meant to be one, two equals that. That's how it is. Allah says this is the sunnah of Allah in this life. The mm -hmm. world is a certain way and you cannot change it. So when you go off the course of the nature of how the, the Allah has created this world, and how you're going to find consequences to that. You're going to find trouble. Isn't that correct? For sure. Like, so sins or doing the wrong thing has consequences. If you repent and fix yourself, it probably will go, inshallah. Or maybe you'll still see some of this consequence. You get married. I've heard of couples. I'm a marriage celebrant, as I told you. Sometimes they come to me with these problems. Something goes wrong in the marriage. Unfortunately, the shaitan comes to us and our ego wants to attack that person for hurting us in some way. Everybody thinks that they're the ones who are on the right. right? That's the nature of human. Mm. We think that we're innocent of everything. and It's all someone else's fault. Mm. First thing I'll attack you on is, well, what about you? You went out with me. You know, we did all that stuff. How can I trust you? I've seen that this happen. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, and then uh, he turns around and says to her, "Well, you went out with me. How do I know that you haven't been out with other guys? I mean, you knew it was haram. Why did you still do it? How can I trust you now?" And the shaitan comes to give you these false assumptions. They could be innocent. Probably be the only person. But this I've heard of this happen before. Later, later. Not right now. Uh, um. I hear about young people now, nowadays who don't understand the consequences of having haram relationships. The effects afterwards. I've, yeah. I've been asked the question of why is it haram to have a girlfriend or boyfriend? And these are Muslims who know what the Quran says. Mm -hmm. And you know, I scratch my head. I think, well, you tell me, what does girlfriend and boyfriend mean? They go, it's just a friend. I said, no, it's not a friend. You'll call them a friend. Girlfriend and boyfriend is a different story. Now, here one of the boys puts his hand up. He goes, sir, it's about, he just says it, the S word. Yeah. It's in the bed, you know, it means you're allowed. Said, but not everyone does that, another student says. And it says, and the other student replied by saying, yeah, but it means that you're allowed. It's, it's, no, no one's going to blame you because you're boyfriend and girlfriend. You know, you'll get to a certain point. And then what happens sometimes, I ask, I say, what are the consequences of having something like that? They go, oh, sir, it's only haram because it breaks your heart. I said, no, there's other, other matters. Let's talk about some biological matters. Number one, do we hear about STIs and STDs? Yeah. Talking sexual transmitted infections and which develop into diseases. We heard about HIV. We heard about AIDS, right? Mm -hmm. Where does it come from? Sexual. Okay, it, it comes from intercourse. Yeah, yeah. we find that uh, science, scientists and and, and uh, uh, academics have told us that through research and studies that 
you know, it's got a lot to do with multiple partners and you have more of a risk of, di- of attracting the disease from multiple partners mm-hmm. and so mm. on and so forth. And so that's why they brought in contraception and they're very heavy on contraception and protecting yourself yep. and be careful and then consent and I don't know what. All these things, what Islam does with it says, stay away from all of that because prevention is better than cure. And Allah says, I only want good for you. I don't want burdens upon you because this will bring burdens, yeah. right? Not only STIs and STDs can develop, there's also use and abuse, right? The girl thinks, oh, no one's ever spoken to me that way. Look at the intention he's given me. He asks her for photos, he asks her for images. And doesn't that happen? Doesn't that happen? Yeah, it starts off like that. Yeah. Yeah. And who is he? He's just he's hardly even hatched from the egg still. Yeah. Who is yeah, he? He yeah. can't afford to get married right <laughs> now. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. But she hears a few words. She's got validation. She gets attention. And it's, you know, a lot of girls, they're like that, right? This boy's probably gone on YouTube and learned a few hiccup lines. Yeah. You know, did it hurt it's when you fell down because <laughs> you're an angel? <laughs> you got that one? All this teenage <laughs> stuff. And then she says, oh, my God. He's giving me the attention and then he asks me and he's thinking about one thing. I mean, I say to my brothers and sisters, and be careful, you, you, the most valuable thing is your this body that you have and this dignity that you have. Mm. Allah wants you to honour it. For sure. Okay? Yeah. Number two, sometimes you know, heartbreaks do happen and there's psychological effects from that. Why? Because there's no strings attached with those relationships. Remember what we said? Mm-hmm. You can walk away any time. Responsibility, yeah. There's no legalities on it. Commitment, nothing. Well, at least for teenagers who haven't even... Reach the age of eighteen, they can have boyfriend and girlfriend together, and so long as there's consent by both parties, you know, it's mm. kind of okay. But there's psychological effects, there's physical consequences, and there's abortions that happen through that. Mm-hmm. Unwanted pregnancies that can happen, don't they happen? Oh, yeah. all the time. If they don't, they happen all the time. Look at the yeah. stats. I went to a hospital without naming the hospital here in Australia, and I asked. What is the rate of abortions here? They said, oh, it's a number. that You've got some married people who don't want kids. And then, So what about teenagers? Oh, we have a lot of teenagers, 16-year-olds, 15-year-olds. They come in, they don't, it's unwanted pregnancies. They're not ready to look after a child. If you're not ready to look after a child, don't enter the realm of where a child can happen. Yeah, definitely. That's where the child happens from, right? Yeah. Okay, so can I change that into halal? Yes, I can. I've done marriages for youngster, young people who their fathers or their mothers call me or their brothers and sisters and say, oh, I've been living for about one or two years in haram. I want to make it halal. So that's a good step. I mean, good intention. We're going to talk about it. That's good. Yeah. Let's make it halal. How do we make it halal? Yeah. Consent of both parties to the marriage. Bring in your wali, who is the father or your uncle or your grandfather, someone representing you from the family. If she doesn't have anybody like that, I become her wali, the person representing. What, what is a wali? Wali making sure that things are sh- her rights are met and she's not... She knows what she's doing and that her rights are met and everything is in place so that, you know, abuse is not happened afterwards as much as we can. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get two witnesses to the marriage. They sign to it and they turn it into a marriage. Now, obviously, they have to be over 18. Mm-hmm. I can't do a marriage with somebody who's under 18. Yeah. You're under 18. I say to you, just wait for now. Wait and hold on. And the best thing is go no, no contact for now until, inshallah, the time comes mm-hmm. when you're ready to actually build a family together. You, know, you don't want... And uh, alhamdulillah, we make it, alhamdulillah, at least the, what we call katbiktab or nikah contract. Or mm. the, uh, so they call it nikah contract, katbiktab. The walima is the wedding. No, no, the walima is the wedding. The fatiha, no. Okay, let's go. Okay, now we mumble jumble everything. He's lost jobs now. We can turn, of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always opens an avenue to repent. And when you repent, it's not enough. You've got to reverse what was done wrong. So you 
we're in a haram relationship, now make it a halal relationship. Or avoid. Okay? And you don't need to talk to other people about it. Yeah. You don't need to expose it. Okay? I can see questions now coming up about this. Do I have <laughs> to tell the next spouse that I've had a past or that I have a girlfriend yeah, that's, or boyfriend that's before? A question, that's yeah. a good question. If you want, we can deal with that, inshallah. At the end of the day, in, sh- in short, I don't want to take too long on that. Yes, yeah, Akhi Suhail. Mm-hmm. You can change any haram into a halal and mend things. Rasulullah said, Atta'ibu min Whoever repents from a sin, it's as if they never did that sin. Inshallah. In the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. Allah protect us, inshallah. Um, so when you do get married, do you have to tell your spouse things that have happened in the past, yeah. let alone the previous relationship? I set myself up. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> I was going to say it, bro. Because no, this, it comes up in a lot of conversations of as does. well. You know what I mean? Look, I'm joking, but yeah. As I, in I, I brought it up because it is something. And not only that, because like there's a lot of things obviously at play here. Do you know what I mean? You've got someone else's dignity, then you're involved as well, and then there's obviously the sanctity between you and Allah. If you committed a haram, do you know what I mean? You expose your sins in that degree, Correct. and then then also like then there's the foundation of um, what do you call it? Building a trust between you and your spouse. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Like because if you don't it's tell them, then you sure, st- yeah, thank Are you ready for marriage? <laughs> yeah, no, no, don't say that. Are you? Are you? You know. Is Ooh, <laughs> 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 Looks like, mashallah, you're thinking, thinking well. Yeah. Sheikh, we're racking up 22k views on your videos. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> he's not ready yet. <laughs> I'm not ready. But on that as well, do you tell them before you get married or after? Because that plays a big part as well. Or yeah, do you even right. tell them at all? Yeah, by just yeah. Don't tell them at all. There's no black and white rule here. There's no blanket rule that I'm going to give you. Each situation based on the circumstances and each case by case. But I can tell you the general rule, first of all. Number one, are you obliged to tell people about your past sins? If you had a girlfriend or boyfriend or whether you, 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 you're, uh, some sisters ask, if, uh, do I have to say if I'm still, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know the, the, if I'm still, you know, the, uh, untouched or whatever? We say no. Islam does not oblige you to do that. Yep. You're not obliged to talk about your sins. In fact, the common rule is that you shouldn't talk about your past sins. And if you can hide it, then hide it. Why? Mm. Because when you, when you start exposing and more of this is happening, it becomes normalized in the community and society. And you will actually be in reverse psychology encouraging the sin more. Other people may look and think, wow, this is the person I looked up to. Mm-hmm. They're doing it, so I'm going to do it now. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. But number two, I, uh, this is now my, my observation and my opinion as a person who's done marriages before many times and uh, been doing it for about 13, 14 years. I've talked to a lot of people in this situation. This is my, my view on this, Allahu A'lam. In the West, this is what I think, Wallahu A'lam. That if the past situation that you were in before marriage is going to come back to harm your marriage going to cause trouble in your marriage later on. Think two, three, four, five years down the track. If you were to hide it, number one, what are the, what's the likelihood that it's going to come up? Number one, more likely, talk about it now. Number two, if it does come up, what's the likelihood of damaging your relationship? If there's a high likelihood, bring it up now. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, how do you bring it up? You don't have to talk in detail. You can say, just give them hints. And I would advise brothers and sisters not to straight away Give the hint, talk about it from day one. First of all, you need to know who this person is. Can He's you trust it, them? Yeah. Which family? And I would advise that if you can get another family member involved to speak on your behalf to them, that'll be better rather than you yourself saying it. Mm. But some people, they don't, they don't even want to expose in front of their family. Their family doesn't know about it. I say, okay, try and involve someone third party like an imam or someone else 
who is even not even an imam, someone you trust that doesn't have to expose you. Maybe they can hint to that person. If you can't even do that, then you're going to have to hint to that person. And you say, look, I, I, I've had a bit of a, a past. I, did, I, I made mistakes. I was with a, you know, a girl in the past. And Alhamdulillah, we've got nothing to worry about beyond that. Uh, I'm clean. I have no diseases or anything like that. And it was a while ago. Okay. You don't have to talk. They want to ask you, but give me the details. No, you do not give them details. Yeah, don't, my advice is don't. They should understand. If they're not mature enough to just take that and walk away with it, maybe you're not right for each other. If the person's going to ask for too many, too much details, maybe you're not compatible because there's obsession here with details of your past. Yeah, and a lack of trust either as well. Lack of trust in the yeah. first condition of marriage and any anything in life, mm -hmm. any relationship is trust. Mm. If trust is going to be broken, it's a problem. So I say, if it's going to, this is the the basic rule. And my advice, personally, I would prefer that if you do hint to that, even if the person didn't ask you, yeah, if it was intense if it was serious relationship yeah That's why right. because most likely you got what 15 20 30 40 50 years of your life mm. one day it may come up so i prefer to personally i prefer to talk about it in, if that was my mm. case one very important which makes it even worse is which makes it more concerning and more of a need to talk a little bit about if that if a person was involved in drugs in their past because drugs relapse they can come back i've seen many couples they've left it two three four five years ago because what's, why do people take drugs or alcohol and things like that? Mm -hmm. Problems, issues. Problems and issues. Now, when you get married, there's going to be problems and issues up and down. Hey. And the idea is to commit and work through it. But yeah. if the person's used to the drugs and alcohol before as <laughs> the direct, the band-out solution for solving their problems... The habit comes back, yeah. A, lot, a large number of them do go back to it. So it's important to talk about that as well. Interesting. Yeah. Okay? That, uh, now, I'm not saying this is the Islamic verdict. Islamic verdict is quite open. It prefers yeah. not to if you can. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking from a practical standpoint. Yeah. Mm. I'd, I, we'd like, the point is to have a relationship that lasts, inshallah. That's true. And nothing's going to come up later on after you've had children, you've established yourself, and this comes up. I know couples who've been through that. Yeah. Ten years down the track, something comes up that was never spoken about before and it creates a big, big problem. So... Unfortunately, some people are not mature enough to take that. So for sure, and you yeah. feel like you've been sold short as well, do you know? Because like, I guess some people prior to relationships or marriages, they want everything to be clearly defined, yeah. and then if they find out about it like ten years down the line, they're like, "Who am I? What is this at this point?" Do you go? Depends how serious it is, right? Mm -hmm. Some now let's another thing. Some people don't want it. They say, "Well, I don't have to. Um, I don't have to expose that. Why should I? Mm. If he can't or she can't uh, accept that." Say, well, you know, if you can't trust that person with that information, you don't feel comfortable saying it, nobody can ever blame you or force you or oblige you. Islam doesn't, nobody can. Mm. Maybe he's, he or she is not the right person for you. For you. Maybe you're after somebody who's a little bit more understanding and more open-minded. And that would be a good place to see if you're compatible or not. It's not just about a person with deen. I saw them pray in the masjid Allah and they got a beard or she wears the hijab so well. Oh, or maybe her brother is a sheikh or her father's a sheikh, this is not enough. Yeah, it's That's actually a big mistake. Like personal yeah. characteristics as well. That's right. Islam is about the character. Mm -hmm. Remember the man who came to Amr al-Khattab, he said, I like this person for my daughter. He says, maybe, maybe, have you, have you, have you traveled with him? He mm. says, no. You asked about his traveling. How was he on travel? I don't know. How, have you dealt with him in business? Yeah. No. How was he in, in money when it comes to business? That's a big thing. Right? Yeah. Have you, you know, spent time with him, slept 
you know, at his house to see what he's, no, I've never really engaged in normal social family interactions. Because maybe you saw him pray nicely and it looked really attractive and he was saying nice things in salat in masjid. He goes, yes. He says, you do not know him, my friend. You have no idea. Isn't that right? So then, do you get married to somebody where yeah. the prayer is everything, or mm-hmm. is it what the prayer does for you? Yeah, mm. that's true. That's true. So then, how do you get married to someone without entirely knowing them? Like, what's the process? Habibi, that I guess? Can I and I don't something? want to make this like a completely marriage topic, but like just no, like no, this is important for young people. After, I'll switch gears after. I got a question uh, there. First. Yeah, I'll switch gears after this one, but finish your sentence. Finish yeah, your that, that's essentially more what my question was. Essentially, was because um, obviously you, you don't really know someone. Obviously based off of the criteria you just gave off, yeah? That's right, yeah. What about the opposite sex, yeah, when you're trying to get to know them? Look, Habibi, look, uh, this is a very important point. No? Uh, Big commitment. Don't don't enter a relationship or a marriage thinking that you've got to know everything about the person. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what. First of all, the sad news is there is no such thing as real love before marriage unless you've been in a long-term relationship with them already, like a person who is married, and that's haram. right? You've already started off wrong. But if you have, love really comes after spending ups and downs with that person, and they're, f- and they're there for you, and you're there for them, in the thick and thin, a time <laughs> of sickness, time of problems. That's when you start to invest your love into the other person. They'll say, wow, they're really there for me. you know. Yeah. And uh, that happens really in Islam, if you want to follow the halal way, it happens in marriage. That's when love starts to grow. So what do you look at beforehand? First of all, know yourself. What kind of a person are you? What are your values? Don't sit there and say, these are the types of values my Islam tells me. This is what I would like. No, 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 no. You've got to look at yourself. Are these your values? Yani. Are these things that you have to think about or are you that? Have you been raised in that way? Okay, if you're not going to work on yourself or be honest with yourself, you know, who am I? These are really my values. Okay, secondly, if I were to enter a relationship and this were to happen, I can't continue in that relationship. You've got to know yourself. There's a really, really, you know what you're doing first? You're studying yourself first. Wallahi, young people, you're studying yourself first. And one thing to be very weary of, don't ever marry someone thinking they're going to change you or help you to change or take you to Jannah. Right? I want somebody who can take me to Jannah. <laughs> and I want someone to... This is airy-fairy yeah. stuff. You have to take yourself to Jannah. Mm. <laughs> I can do that too, Pastor. We can all make ourselves nice and happy. <laughs> but you do it. <laughs> keep, I wasn't gonna, but I was like, keep the hair tie on. No, I'm sorry, Shia. Yeah, go. Number one, that's unattractive. Yeah. Especially for a man. Mm-hmm. My sister says, "Well, what do you wait for me to make you all that? You know, yeah. you make yourself." That's true. That's true. Right? Uh, know yourself and know what your values are. Okay, and make them six or seven. Don't make ten to a hundred thousand. Right. And then expect that you're not going to get all the things. That's in paradise if you want that. Go and look for the values and the qualities that would make you live with that person. You're falling in love with qualities. You're not falling in love with looks and attraction of that person. That's not love. That's just looks and attraction. Mm. And then go and study those qualities. Ask family members. Look at their Facebook page or their Instagram page. Ask friends. Mm. Uh, Ask their family. Get someone else to investigate on your behalf. That's where you really know about a person. I can, you know, you can sit with a person right now and say, say all the right things. It's like a job interview. You go and study, you say all the right things. But when you go into the job, let's see what you're really like. That's why when people talk to you in a job interview, it's exactly the same thing. Your resume is not really the thing. Mm. You think that's what it is. You think it's your certificate. You think it's how you're talking. As you're talking, they're looking at other things. Looking at how your body language is. They're looking at um, your character. They go back and look at your social media page. That's how they know you. It's not what you say. Yeah. Isn't that right? True, Everybody's yeah. on their best behavior when everything's new. Mm. Yeah. But I want to know, okay, these values, do they really exist in your family? Mm-hmm. Mm. Can 
that's why I say to brothers and sisters, be careful to know people outside of, you know, just by yourselves. For two years, they know each other, and the last person to know is your family and your parents and all that stuff. See, when you start visiting a person at their parents' house or at their family, you see them around their family, because you've got to ask yourself, why am I getting married? Why do I want to enter a relationship? Isn't it in order to build a family? Mm-hmm. Sure. If you build a family, aren't you going to have kids? Yeah. Those kids, what do they want? Don't they want family? Don't they want their data and jador, their grandfather and grandmother? Don't they want their uncles and aunties around? Don't they want a peaceful relationship? Okay, have you looked at how the family orientation is? Mm-hmm. What if what if he's abusive to his sisters? You've had two years of seeing him on his best behavior. He's never seen how he is with his sisters or his mother. Because yeah. if he's bad with his mum and sister's going to be double bad with you. Yeah. If she's disrespectful to her father, doesn't listen to anything her parents say, what do you think you're going to get? Exactly. Okay. So what I'm saying is you got to know yourself and then jump in to see. You're getting married to build a family, so look at the potential spouse in a family environment. Mm. Look at what their ad- attitudes and their habits are. That's what you're falling in love in. Isn't that right? For sure. The more I, f- I, I like things about you, the more I like you. Mm-hmm. The more yeah. I hate things about you, the more I'm going to... Yeah. And then love comes later. They say that you choose your problems. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you can pick and choose your fights, you know? Well, uh, half of people, when they get into a relationship, they know that from the beginning, they know this is right or wrong. They can feel it. They already know. They choose to avoid it. Yeah. Choose to avoid it because maybe somebody's just so attractive. Maybe they're just so romantic. Maybe they're just so famous. Maybe they're just so popular. Maybe there's some other motives. The motive for you is not that. The motive for you, as the Prophet said, women are married, for example, for four things, her beauty, her wealth, her uh, status, and her, her or her family name, or her deen. Deen means way of life. Her way of life is it based on mm-hmm. love and fear of Allah and the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Nothing perfect, but is that her kind of the values? Mm-hmm. And your values like that, then marry her based on that. Yes, attractiveness is important, mm-hmm. and that's what you first look at. Mm-hmm. It fades away, doesn't it? It's yeah, not going to last. Yeah. Okay. Just in a nutshell, Yanni, I wanted to make that those no, few very yeah. quick points. There are actually very few quick points, and they and they really should be div- uh, discussed more often. Mm. Inshallah. There's one more thing. Uh, someone put as a Q and A. It's about like interracial couples. Into what? Interracial. Yeah. Because obviously yep. we're all raised, born in Australia, but our parents came from overseas, so we're all technically Australian. And the main thing we look for is yeah. Dean and then the culture. You know, the race, the ethnicity doesn't really play as big of a part. Where the Turkish marries a Lebanese, a Somali marries an Arab, something like that. Where but a lot of the time there's been issues with the parents or the family because they want to keep the culture intact. And I know a lot of issues and problems my friends have had. So what's some advice you might give for going about it or anything like that? Uh, as far as I can see, it's becoming less and less of, a That's good. of an issue now. Okay. okay. And unfortunately, the way it became less and less of an issue is because young people, some young people rebelled because they got, they got sick of it. What's this? I'm always forced to get into marriage. I don't mm. want and whatever. So then that's probably what prompted a lot of uh, young people to enter into a relationship outside of the family's knowledge and the last person to know is the father because unfortunately the relationship's not there. Or uh, some people look at their mums and dads and think, what? I don't want that relationship. And they say, if I'm going to get advice from them, I'm going to fall into the same problem. My advice to you is no. Get advice from your parents, number one. At the oh end well. of the day, look, even me as a father, I look back at the mistakes I made. And I'm going to advise my children based on not what has become of me, but like not based on what they necessarily have seen in my mistakes, because everybody has mistakes, 
but on what I've learned from my mistakes. Mm-hmm. I'll be teaching what I've learned from my mistakes. I sure. won't admit that oh, I'm a bad, you know, if I've got bad habits in the past, I won't sit there talking about my bad habits, but I'll be teaching my children, inshallah, how how to avoid these habits, mm-hmm. right? Without you, and a lot uh, every parent does that because they want the best for you. Mm. Uh, secondly, uh, interracial marriages are completely uh, uh, encouraged in Islam. You have entire Islamic history about that with the Prophet Sallallahu and all the Sahaba. Oh, 1,400 years of interracial mm-hmm. marriages. Allah says we have created you from different pairs of male and female, major internations and tribes so that you may come to know one another. Mm-hmm. So in Islam, there's no obstacle, and parents have to understand there's no obstacle about people's different color or race. Mm-hmm. The only obstacle is this. Are you compatible for one another? Do you have the same goals as each other? Do you both have the same goal of pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and living your life on that which pleases Allah and His Messenger on deen. If you don't have that compatibility, it doesn't matter what color you are or race, there's just no compatibility here. For sure. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yes, there's still a clash with parents. And the, and the best thing I can tell you is this. Keep talking with your parents. Keep communicating. Keep giving them reasons for them to change. I know a brother who, uh, without naming any names, yeah, and he came to me for advice. My parents are against me marrying this person. My parents, how do I deal with that? I said, Habibi, you need to continue to communicate with your parents and say and think, what is it that my parent, what is stopping my parents from that? And you need to address those points and be brave about it. He couldn't. He kept avoiding and being passive until one day he says, Alhamdulillah, my parents accepted. I said, how? He said, well, you know, I talked to my father and I put him on the spot. I said, are you going to be the cause of me falling into haram later on because i've been telling you i'm going to blame you dad things go i'm going to blame you because you didn't listen and subhanallah he got him on the spot because he knew what his father is trying to get at Mm. but he addressed his father's concern Mm. and was brave about it i would say uh, don't be rude to them but be frank with them Mm. and say it with respect my mom my dad look this is and at the end parents will give in let me tell you a trick about parents. Mm-hmm. Parents are not going to like this. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, turn it off. I'll put it. I want someone for my daughter in a particular way, let's say. I'm just giving a hypothetical. This is who I always imagined. So I've lived with that for all my life and looking forward to that day. Suddenly, if my daughter comes and says, okay, it's not the guy that I've always in my head thought of. It's going to be devastating to me. But this is about me. It's not about her now. This is mm. about me. So what would convince me? Okay, well continuing to show me how this will work for her right and i got to be heard i have to be heard you know as a father or a mother they have to be heard you got to let your parents hear you out man oh, sorry you got to allow your parents to be heard mm-hmm. you can't just keep going against them take it hear them out hear them out think about it let them know that you have heard them repeat what they said and then come back and say, Mum, Dad, you know, I agree with this, and you know, I've opened my eyes, acknowledge that. Then they'll think, you know, you are mature. Mm-hmm. It's psychological. It's the art of communicating. Mm-hmm. And then come back with something else, but stay respectful and show them. Don't cut the communication off with them. As soon as you go silent and absent, things go haywire. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I'm talking about normal, average parents and, and, and children. I'm talking about the severely abusive and those exceptions. Yeah, more, that, that has a different... A different uh, line to it so if the parents are the problem you know a b- good book i can recommend uh there's one uh, written by a sheikh and one that's written by a, a non-muslim mm-hmm. 
But it's the same thing. It's 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 the the art of communication is amazing. One of them is by Dale Carnegie, mm. a book called How to Make Friends and Influence People, and the other one is by Sheikh uh, Doctor uh, Muhammad Larifi. He actually wrote a book called um, uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, oh, something about how to find happiness. It's based on that book, but brings oh, the Dale Islamic. Carnegie's huh? on Dale Carnegie's book. No, Muhammad Larifi. Yeah, but it was based on Dale Carnegie. Da, uh, d- yeah, Dale okay. Carnegie. Yeah, yeah. Ba- based on is it Carnegie? Okay. I said I Carnegie. Don't know. Carnegie. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. But the <laughs> point is that it's a good book. They base the Islamic point of it. How to how to communicate, give and take. Wallahi, valuable lessons, and you can use that with your parents, with your spouses, with your children, with your work, everywhere. Mm. Use communication. It's all about mm. what is the Quran? Is is the Quran communication? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it communication? Yeah. There it is. That's it's it. about communication, inshallah. Yeah, that's true. And you actually look into the Quran, and then this is one thing that you, the A that you mentioned before, uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you look into the Quran and see the way that Ilah has communicated, he uses different forms of communication. And one of the most powerful ones are the rhetorical questions, which get the person thinking. And I guess you can use that in the same situation as your parents. Do you know what I mean? Your parents are not there to look at you and go, like, no, nah, I don't want this for this child. You know what I mean? Show me that you're an adult and you can grow up to become, get married and whatnot and all this kind of At stuff. At the end of the day, that's what parents want. Yeah. I wanted to switch gears, Sheikh, now. And I wanted to move on to, like, I think everybody who watches your videos has kind of had like a long-standing relationship with your lectures. They've kind of seen you over the years. Alhamdulillah. That's fadl for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Someone said they want you to be a co-host on this podcast, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Co-host? They love you, man. I'm here to help all my brothers and sisters. He came in and goes, this is my spot. (laughs) 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 Don't cause fitna, mate. (laughs) My pleasure, akhi. Wallahi. I'm no better than anyone else. Just if I I have the ability and the time, inshallah. We love you. We love you. But, um, yeah, so... Basically, yeah. Um, I wanted to I wanted to just develop a little bit on the fact that over the years we've seen Sheikh Bilal grow. You know, like you've you've expanded. You know, you've become a little bit different, maybe communication wise, maybe message wise. Um, from your own point of view, how have you seen yourself change throughout the years? And and give us a little bit of advice you'd give to your younger self. Oh wow, that's a good question, man have time to think about that much uh, as as I mean I've, oh no I have a lot of time I always think about myself and how I can better myself just never thought never gone public about but it. if it's too personal we can no no it's I think it's fine. Deserves that. <laughs> <laughs> this is an exclusive hmm <laughs> where do I start subhanallah I, I need time to sit down and write this down mm. what will I say to my younger self well, on the spot here, I'd have to just say quick things. Yeah. Obviously, you do mature over time, man. It's it's big difference between when you're forty and when you're twenty. Mm-hmm. I see things now, look back and think, why would you say that? Why would you do that? Mm. I feel like slapping you. <laughs> that's what I. That's how I think about myself. This is the type of. Uh, it's only been a week. Last week's podcast, I would slap myself. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Look, okay, let me just try and get my memories. One thing from my personal life is I went into public speaking and da'wah at a very early age. I didn't ask for it. It just came to me and I pushed it away sometimes because I felt I'm not ready, I can't do it, it's too much. But it just kept coming back at me. And I was frustrated a lot of the time. A lot of people don't know that. 
and it just comes back at me until finally I thought, and maybe maybe I, I have to do something. It's a responsibility. So I started in that area. Now what happens when you start off at a very young age with that is you're not used to the ego that comes with it. You're not used to the fame that comes with it. You're not used to people praising you. You don't know how to deal with that stuff. And it's really, sometimes I felt it was unfair because I don't know how to, how to maneuver around that. I made mistakes. I'd say something where I've offended someone or I'd say something where, why didn't I research that a little bit better? But I, the more I, I continued uh, looking at myself as, you know, you've got so much to learn. Alhamdulillah, that opened a huge area. It changed the way I, I say things, the, the question that I ask. Okay, so the first thing I would say is don't let the ego, fame, praise, what people say to you get to your head. Always remember you have so much to learn. Never base on how much people praise you. Base it on the constructive feedback. The best thing, uh, one of the best things I learned about my life is to accept and humble myself for criticism. I don't care how tough or offensive it is or how nice it's put to me. I have to learn to accept it and build my life from it. Uh, the best was criticism. Mm -hmm. The best when somebody attacked me big time. I needed a couple of days to get over it, but I took and I go, you know what? I've just learned something over here. Okay, which way can I go about it next time? I've got to do a bit more research. So that's one thing I, I, I would say to my younger self. Don't get too offended, man. Don't get too sensitive over what people are saying. Yeah. Learn from it. Try and put yourself back. At the end of the day, they'll only talk about it one, two days, and they've moved on. Nobody cares. Number two, don't fixate myself on what people think or what they've said. Uh, news comes out about me, for example. People talk about it. You know what I realized? People don't really care after about two or three days, and it's more of entertainment for them, and they move on. Next, you're the only one who's not getting sleep. Everyone's, no one's thinking about it but you. You realize you're the only one thinking about it, <laughs> and you stress yourself over, right? So you've got to let go of it and think, okay, people have moved on. How do you let go of it, though? By this, by, by understanding, by knowing that, oh, people are not really talking about it anymore. I mean, okay, this is what I used to say to myself, yeah. and I even till now. I think, think about the last time I heard about somebody popular or famous or a friend. Yeah. How much thought did I invest into that, me or my friends or my family? We talked about it for a little few minutes. Mm -hmm. Maybe if it's a big thing, maybe two, three days, and then bang, it's gone. How much time did I invest? I say, nobody's any different to me. They're doing exactly the same thing, mm -hmm. right? And the only person I'm harming is myself, really. And uh, many times I have to learn the hard way. Hold on a minute. People are not even talking about it. The only one who would make it get worse is me. The more I talk about it, the more I go, you know what? Give it, give it a rest. And subhanAllah, it goes away by itself. Now, if I have to do something about it, I will learn. And I, you know, one thing, I, third thing that I learned is uh, accept and own your mistakes, Somebody puts out something says, yes, and you know what? I'm going to keep making those mistakes. Take it and try not to say, so you know what? You know, it's true. But, but you're a bad person. You know what? I'd, thank you. I, I do have a lot of mistakes. You know what? I, I own it. Yep. I'm going to work on it, man. That's true. It's true. And then it turns into a nice lighthearted thing with people. And people who don't like you, they just don't know what else to say. You've, you've taken those weapons off them. They don't know what to attack you. Yes, I am. Yeah, man, I'm going to make a lot more mistakes. You know, That helps you a lot to own your mistakes and to know that you do have a lot of faults. Okay, uh, th fourthly, focus on pleasing Allah. 
even if people are not pleased with you. Then Allah will be pleased with you and he will make others pleased with you, even if you don't see it. People talk bad trash about you, but they respect you because you have something to stand on. You, f- you, you have integrity. You have values that you stick by. People respect that, even if they hate you. Mm-hmm. You think they didn't do that with the Prophet they respected him. Mm-hmm. Haven't you heard sometimes you say, like when you say to your dad or your parents, I don't know if they've said that to you, I know some students, they say, you know, my dad goes to me, you know, so-and-so, yeah, he's a bad person, but at least he stands for something. What do you stand on? What are you t- showing yeah, me? Yeah, that's Trump. Trump. You're nothing. Yeah. So <laughs> you stand on something, and make sure you make it right. Mm-hmm. Make sure you make it right, inshallah. But stand on something and have some values and fix yourself, inshallah. Own it. Mm-hmm. Don't let people control it. With relationships, for me, as I told you, I got popular. I started giving other people advice. So I got used to people accepting advice from me mm-hmm. and I had less advice. Mm-hmm. And people who want to give me advice, they, they feel intimidated. And I go, oh, man, I don't, want to, I don't want people to feel intimidated by me. Relax, man. Relax and show... But in the beginning, I thought I can solve people's problems because I didn't get much advice. Yeah. And I thought I, I can solve. Look how many people have changed. I think a lot no. of people can relate to that as well. Like growing up, like with the rise of social media, this, that, um, negative comments and everyone taking things way too personally. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's I had one uh, picture of me once. Just I mean, look, if you stand for something, you're going to have enemies who talk against That's you. True. I had once this picture drawn of me with an X on my face and the three letters kafir on my forehead. With a jad. <laughs> I'm thinking, what's this based on? Yeah. A comment you made or whatever and they wipe you out. You've got to be ready to accept, okay, all right, well, this is what the problem's in them, not in you, really. Yeah. And if you do have a problem, fix yourself. Mm. Own it, Yanni. Well, cook to you. Well, cook to you. All right. Um, if you have anything else to add, or no, no, that's it's enough today. That's <laughs> enough for today. It's enough humbling. <laughs> um, we want to end on our last segment. And this is a segment we're trialing, inshallah. We're going to call it Fair Income Comments. You're working on the intro for it. But <laughs> um, we're going we're gonna to just do a bit of quick fire questions. Like maybe answer the things that you can answer shortly. But if they're questions that you can't really answer and they need more depth because we might not have the time for Yalla, it, go for maybe it. just give it a push aside, inshallah. So um, we're not going to name names just for an- anonymity reasons. When asking someone to forgive you, if they don't forgive you, then will Allah SWT still hold you accountable for the situation? That's up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No, you've done your duty. You've tried your best. Mm. You've tried your best. Okay, beautiful. Uh, but one thing to add, uh, if you think that there is something you've ruined about the person, go and fix it if you can. As much as possible, yeah. Definitely. Next question. Uh, what would you recommend studying, learning in terms of books for a young adult Muslim? The Quran. I got it for you. Definitely. <laughs> w- if, people c- if people can learn Arabic, that would be the best. Yeah. Really, because that will open many doors for you. Uh, I would personally uh, like people to put communication as part of their. Th- those two books I recommended. Yeah. yeah. Learn the art of communication. Uh, one of the books is here. Asha, where is it? Doesn't matter, bro. We'll put it up on the sheet. Yeah. We'll put a photo up. Learn the art of communication. Read books about how to communicate. There it is. That's the book. Oh, is that it? Oh, my yeah. God. You've got it. Yeah. Oh my Allah! I should say, Oh my Allah! Oh my Allah! And you get another question about that now. Another X on your face. Oh my Allah! Yeah, this one. Where's the camera? This one. The camera's there. Yeah, that's it's a non-Muslim, but you know what he's talking about is truth, mashaAllah, and this is amazing. You know, is he still alive? No, no, no. Nineteen thirty. So you know Warren Buffett. He's one of the richest men in the world. He was the fourth richest, and I think he's the sixth. He said, 
Okay, seventh. Yeah. He said <laughs> the greatest <laughs> investment he ever did in his life was a Dale Carnegie course. Seventh richest man in the world, and he only made it through investing because the greatest investment was a public speaking course on communication with Dale Carnegie. That's Whoever how smart he was. Whoever's making money of these books now, you better hit us up, man. I got, you I know, got three dollars. We got some equipment. <laughs> you know, Ashraf, when I read this book, every statement that was in there, I thought, "Wow, this is already all in my deen." And the Prophet Sallallahu is a thousand million, a million times better than what's in here. And he gives references to Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. All you got to do, Rasul Sallallahu has already mastered this beyond. What this yeah. book says, yeah. but I'm just saying that it's a really good read. It's easy to follow. Yeah. It talks about daily normal life. We live in the West. We can relate to it a little bit. Yeah. And then suddenly you'll find, oh my God, there's that other book by the Sheikh that talks about the Prophet and you really appreciate the Prophet peace be upon him. It really becomes mm -hmm. your role model. Yeah. I would say the art of communication is the foundation, man. Mm -hmm. Definitely. There's a book that I'm actually currently reading. It's called The Emotional Intelligence of Rasulullah. Oh, man, that may Allah reward you. Wow. Emotional intelligence is a Amazing yeah. area that maybe we'll yeah. make that another episode. It shows yeah, that you're definitely. ready for oh, reading these bro. kind of books. <laughs> <laughs> and we live in a world based on feelings. Yeah. I feel just yeah. The book is actually titled "With the Heart in Mind," and it represents like certain situations of Rasulullah and his emotional intelligence. Yes, and the idea of the aql. If yeah. you can take ownership of your emotions, yeah. You're a king, Rashaun. Okay, next question. Is it okay for a sister to make the first move to ask for a hand in marriage? Yeah. Controversial, but... We'll it is. Yeah. No, it's okay. I like... I like. Just it's okay. Within the, within <laughs> the limits of not doing anything haram. Keep yeah. it halal. Go get your bread. <laughs> Done, inshallah. She can make a move. Of course she can. Okay, last question, inshallah. When I pray, it's... Oh, my God. My stomach wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Sheikh. When I pray, it's to fulfill the obligation. What should I do to enjoy it and not just fulfill my duty? I, I think that that question answers itself, to be honest. It is yeah. Um, what I would say is the medicine is pray more when you're alone. Pray voluntary prayers. So you're doing the obligations? Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, at home, close your room. Before you go to sleep, do some voluntary prayers. Yeah. Start with voluntary prayers and you'll find that, start finding the sweetness in it yeah. and you become more genuine about it. Do things in secret. Wow, okay. That's where the secret, that's where the medicine that's, is. That's good. Definitely. There were a lot of other questions like, what do you do when you fall in love with a non-Muslim? There's all these big questions all that they take, questions. they take a lot more time and, and effort and we see the questions, guys. Inshallah. You want the quick answer? Give us the quick answer. If a girl falls in love with a non-Muslim guy, wait until he genuinely becomes a Muslim to marry you. If he'll go and do his research to really um, know his Islam, mm. then he'll be honest with you too. If a guy wants to marry a sister who's uh, not Muslim, also wait until she genuinely looks into Islam. And be careful. You know if they're going to become Muslim for you, Definitely. genuinely, or because even without you. Uh, that's in a nutshell, inshallah. Beautiful, beautiful. Like we'll leave it there, inshallah. Jazakallah khaira, Sheikh. Always a pleasure. Pleasure, my pleasure. pleasure always. But um, yeah, don't forget like and subscribe. And Sheikh's got something cooking. I don't know if I should have said that, but is something coming to you guys? Inshallah. I'm working on a project. Inshallah. And stay and tuned yeah. when as soon as he gets it up. Don't worry, we're gonna put it up on. I want to say one more thing, my brothers and sisters. This is a very casual talk that we're sitting here. So, I ask Allah that whatever I've said truth is from Allah, and whatever I've said wrong, I am prone to mistakes and faults. It is from me and the Shaitan. May Allah subhanahu wa taala forgive me for any mistakes I've said. Amen.
Jazakum Allah khair, all of you for having me here. No, Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Always love you guys. Thank you very much. Assalamu alaikum.